Hey, this is Ryan. And this is Brian. And we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. We hope you're enjoying this episode. You know, it's our goal to make this podcast useful to you. So if you find it valuable, we want you to consider supporting the Bible Bistro financially. You know, there's a cost associated with this podcast, and your support will help us to continue this mission. If you'd like to help, we have set up a Patreon account where you can contribute at any level. Maybe you just want to give us a few bucks a month and buy us a cup of coffee. Or if you support us at $15 or above, you can receive some of our personalized items, like the Bible Bistro coffee mug. Trust me, you're really going to want one of those. Absolutely. You just got to go to our website or in the show notes and click on the Patreon link. And thank you so much. We appreciate our loyal listeners. Welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. I'm Ryan. Hey, and I'm Brian. And you're listening to a podcast. The Bible Bistro. The Bible Bistro <laughs> podcast. A podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. Yeah. Yeah. So, but we've been spending a lot of time in the Bible recently. Right. A lot yeah. of New Testament. A lot, a lot of, of New uh, Testament. A lot of Johannine literature. So. Yes. And so soon, soon... When will then be now? Soon, we will be, you know, probably moving on from just biblical stuff. We're going to talk about some theology stuff and some Christian yeah, life stuff. We have some interviews coming up. Hopefully. We do have some interviews so. coming up. I know we've said this, and probably some of you don't trust us anymore that we have interviews coming up. <laughs> but we do have interviews coming up. Season two, we had a lot it's, more interviews, but it's been busy. It's been a busy been time for busy both of us. Busy season so, for both yeah, you and which I. It's good. So, good stuff. All good it, stuff. It's good so. stuff. Um, and while we love the bistro, it's just you know, it's we got to balance. Yeah balance all the things so but we do have uh some great guests coming up that yeah. i don't think you're going to want to miss but we are continuing our series again we finished the wonders the one book yeah. uh, one chapter books of the bible which t- which ended with second and third john which then yep. led us to led first, us to first john. john yep yeah, so, so so just to remind you, yes, we, we talked yes, about. Please rewind us and remind <laughs> us. Re- this is a recap. Oh. Uh, now I don't know if we can. You can skip the recap here. The, not, but... This is like Netflix when there's like three <laughs> right. years between a season. You have to watch the recap. And this is what happened. Yeah. The uh, no. So all we said then is Second, Third John. These very short books that are almost entirely epistolary features. I sometimes say, uh, probably were in some way attached to First John. And and the relationship here, the way I understand it, at least the way I think it's it's best understood, is that Second, Third John were making very specific some things about false teachers that were out in the world. Uh, and you have a kind of a dual problem as we talked about. On the one hand, you don't want to be supporting false teachers. On the other hand, you want to be supporting the teachers that are going out there and taking the the message of the gospel. And it seems like there was a problem on both ends of this, that that Diotrephes (laughs) was kind of not willing to support the teachers that, that John had sent out. At the same time, there were others perhaps confused about who was an actual you know, true teacher and, and who was tr- teaching falsehood. And so first John provides for us, I, I said kind of one of the, one of the major words we could have here is confidence. Uh, it gives us confidence in the faith and it's really designed in order to kind of serve as a teaching aid to say, here's what a, a, a true teacher looks like a good teacher. Here's what a false teacher is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'd suggested following this guy named Robert Law, who lived a long time ago, and wrote a book over a hundred years ago. Uh, you know, he he said that there are these tests, and so we talked last week about the test of righteousness. Uh, basically, false teachers 
And especially this false teaching we said was a form of Gnosticism that might have said that really what we do doesn't make any difference with our with our um, uh, spiritual lives, like like our behavior physically isn't going to affect us spiritually. Mm-hmm. And John is kind of saying that's not true. Uh, the other form of this Docetism is that Jesus never appeared in the flesh. I haven't gotten into this too much detail, but I will say this one more thing about it just now. Um, The reason is they saw anything material, anything fleshly at all as being sinful. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, this went so far that in the Old Testament, the creator God, they saw as kind of a lesser God because he was the one who, who created material. Or, yeah. The earth, you know, and, and so, you know, it was, they, they kind of had this, this view of uh, even a couple of different gods in the Old Testament. Um, and it's just kind of very, very weird kind of, we would say, you know, aberrant Christian behavior, uh, aberrant Christian belief, I guess I should say. But it did lead to, to uh, sinful behavior as well. The other thing they said is that Jesus never really appeared. And, and we saw last week when we talked about this that John goes to great lengths to say not only did we right. see him, but mm-hmm. we handled him. Uh, you know, he, he back ate, in the gospel, ate, he fish, ate. Stick, right. fish together, yeah. <laughs> and so all of these things indicate, you know, false teaching. So, test of righteousness had to do with the way that they behave themselves. Are they are they acting in a way that's in keeping with the commands that God has given? And the second test I suggest there's. So I'm going to look at three tests today. I think is we'll we'll be able to get through all three. We'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, but. <laughs> This, Welcome to the bistro. We'll see how it goes. The second test is called the test of love. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and you might remember in the Gospel of John, love is a major theme in the Gospel of John, particularly particularly in the uh, upper room discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus says, I give you a new command. You're to love one another. Uh, and, uh, you know, he says, for example, all people know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Um, There's a him in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> makes a major theme on that. First John's the same way. There's a lot of about love in, in first John. And it's, it's one of these tests is the way Robert law talks about it. You're going to be able to tell who is a true teacher as opposed to a false teacher because of the love that they have for the brothers, for the, for the church mm-hmm. uh, and for one another. Uh, so l- let's look at first John chapter two. We see, like I said, we see a lot. Here's your song. First John chapter two verses seven through 11. You probably sang this in church camp at some point mm-hmm. or the other, I would mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so go ahead and read that for me if you would. Uh, yeah. Uh, dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves a brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know uh, where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So we talked last week. Again, G- Jesus said, um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this new command. And now John is pointing back toward this. And he's saying, remember what Jesus taught us. Remember what he, he said to us in the upper room, that we're to love one another. He says, so this is, a, this is an old command, but it's also a new command. <laughs> it's kind of what he's saying here in, in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives us both a negative here. You're not to hate your brother or sister. 
Uh, anyone who hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. Uh, darkness and light here kind of have to do with what we talked about last week, the idea of righteousness. So you can see the relationship here. But you can't say you, you hate your brother or sister and say that you are living in the light. Uh, and then the positive command is that you are to love uh, your your brother or sister is, is the other side of this. Um, so I want to do a couple more things here, just kind of real quick. Yeah, got a yeah. Let me here. ask you this. So, and, and I'm assuming this, but brother and sister is a Christian here. It's it, not it, just it, your neighbor. Now we are to love yeah. our neighbor, but this is a different. He's talking yeah. about something that specifically yeah. someone you're in community with as a yep. brother or Christian. I think that's correct, sister. and 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 that's you know, <laughs> we are certainly to love. You know those who are outside the family of believers, but Paul and John both make very clear, as well as Ringo. No, I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> Paul, Paul and John, but seriously. Paul and John both make clear that we we have a, an especial love for the for the family of believers. This is one of the ways that we demonstrate is is our love for one another. Uh, now we do good also, and we we help those who have need, but you know we're kind of specifically told not to love the world. This is this is Jesus again in the upper room discourse. Uh, don't don't love the world, um, but instead we we love one another. And uh, it, it goes back to I'm going to actually quote Philemon here, or, or make reference to Philemon when we talked about that. We said there that. Christianity in early Christianity was very aware of this, that they were kind of creating a new humanity, a new way of going about mm. um, the world, you know, going about life. Right. And it was a restructuring of relationships. So no longer was it according to the fleshly, you know, the, the worldly relationships, but it was uh, about being family, about being brother and sister. It was a reconstitution, we could say, uh, of relationships so that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, yeah, I think that's, that's what he's referring so, yeah, to. So here. it wasn't, it was less about ethnic lines. It yes. was now about being reconstituted in something through Christ into a new family. Exactly. Even family. And, and we see this, especially with the early Jewish Christians, sometimes their following of Christ would, would have made them excluded from family. It, it, we think that that's probably what happened to the apostle Paul. Uh, Cause he's explicitly says at one point, there's only two of my relatives, kind of distant relatives who are, who are even Christians. Yeah. Uh, often what happened then is they would kind of be dis disowned. Yeah. Uh, and so it was important for the family to, to, to be around Christ then, you know, to, to have brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and, and to, to, to see that. Yeah. Well, well, uh, yeah, go ahead. yeah. I mean, that's just a really interesting perspective. I mean, yeah. today we always think that, uh, or not today, and I'm projecting here, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's that the, the Christian faith was so, it was divisive back yes. then, you know what I mean? Like, because it was a dividing line about how you live and what you believe. And like, it wasn't just a kumbaya, you right. know, singing together, like, and, oh, we're just, everybody joined together. But yes. like, no, this was, this was a divisive belief, a divisive identity. And, and in fact, that's what Jesus said, right? He said, I, you know, I'm coming to, to turn uh, mother against daughter, against son, against, mm -hmm. you know, father against son. Um, and, and so, you know, he recognized that there was going to be this animosity that came because of those who, who followed him and others who, who, who did not, um, you know, that even in his own words, uh, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, you know, he, he recognized that there was going to be this kind of, uh, uh, difficulty that, that that was going to come as a result of, of followers of his, um, but again, the, the important thing is that we 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 see this now. Here's where I thought you were going to go with this. We uh -oh. use the word brother still, 
Like, you right. know, I, I, we just had a celebration of life uh, service for a, a, an older gentleman in our congregation. This is last Sunday, a really great guy and uh, lots of good memories about him. But he always, he always referred to me, brother Brian, you know, that was, that was the way he referred to me. Um, if we're not careful, that can become just kind of a meaningless, you know, mannerism. Right. Right. Uh, if we really mean it, brother or sister, this this person is my sister. This person is my brother. Uh, then it and we act accordingly. I think that's living out this this idea of community uh, that we see in 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 what John is talking about. Let me go a little bit further here. I think maybe you'll even see a bit more than this. And, and here's the reason I, I want to make sure to <laughs> we're going to spend a little bit of time on love here, simply because we sometimes in our culture I think have a very shallow, I, I don't know mm-hmm. what else to say, a weak, weak understanding of love. Now, we talk about it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of shows are centered around this idea of love, right? Um, you know, TV shows, you know, a lot of the plots have to do with who's who's going to be a you know boyfriend or girlfriend or who's going to marry who, that kind of thing. I guess it goes all the way back to Shakespeare, really, <laughs> if I think about it. But probably a little bit before that. Probably even, even before that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Maybe Shakespeare, Shakespeare didn't invent love, invented. you know, right? But uh, but this idea of rom- what we call sometimes romantic love uh, is often what we think of when we use this term in our, in our society. And so it becomes kind of a weak thing because, you see, well, I mean, think about the phrases we use. Uh, you know, I, I chased a rabbit trail for a long time about metaphors and, and the way metaphors have a, have a um, effect upon reality. Um, so like we use metaphors for time, like I'm, I'm wasting time or, I, you know, uh, I, I'm on borrowed time or however we use those kind of metaphors. Same kind of thing is with love. If you think about the, the metaphors that we use to describe love, like falling in love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, falling in. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's not, it's not a deliberate action, right? It's mm-hmm. something, and we talk about love at first sight, you know, in that, in that romantic sense. Uh, what are some other phrases that you can think of? I mean, if you fall in love, obviously you can fall out of fall love out as of well, love. which is, which is a part of the issue, I think. Can you think of any others that I'm not, I'm not, I know, is, I'm putting you on the spot. This is I'm not my jam, Brian, you process this and I'm just, <laughs> well, but, but all those, all those kind of make love a transitory uh, about feelings, right? It, 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 it's something that comes and goes, um, um, What's the one song? Falling in and out of love with you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't know what I'm going to do. I keep falling in and out of love with you, and and and, and that's kind of a you know what I'm saying that's yes. kind of a that that idea, and that's and we think about that. We think that way. It's like, well, I just don't love him anymore. Um, you know, I get people. It's a like, it's a temporary feeling. It's a temporary. it's a temporary feeling, and it is expressed in words. I would say rather than actions, and mm-hmm. and I would say Christian love. Then what we're going to talk about today, and this is why I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this, is a decision. It's something that we decide we're going to do, and it's not only about our romantic partner. It's not only about our spouse. It's not only about our our boyfriend or girlfriend. It, it is also. It's not even just about our family. It's also about those others that we are in relationship with, for example, in the body of believers, and we are commanded <laughs> to love one another. Therefore, it is an issue of obedience. So it's it's a decision that we make that right. we are going to love one another. Uh, I shouldn't say it's, you know, we decide 
whether or not we are, but the idea is if we are disciples of Jesus, what he is saying is you obey my commands and my command is to love one another. Uh, so we, we make the decision to follow Jesus. And a part of that is we make the decision that we're going to love the brotherhood of believers, um, you know, the, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and furthermore, <laughs> I'm kind of on a rant now. You see, you got me going. It's um, my fault. Everyone, yeah, this is my oh, fault. You're, you're trying, you're trying to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not expressed in words. It's not just about saying you love someone, but it's expressed in in um, action. Uh, don't love with words only, right? Because talk uh, is cheap. There's there's one of those metaphors. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but but actions. Uh, well, they say actions speak louder than words. Um, but but it's that idea of the way that we love one another in in the things that we do. So look at chapter three, and and here's what I want you to see. Here's here's the profound part of love in the in the book of First John is there there's a reason that it is a much stronger stuff, and this is why it's important for us to talk about. Because if we simply took love the way that it's used in our culture, I think we see it as something relatively weak. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas I'm going to I'm going to say this now and later on I'll show it. But um, whereas I understand love as the the literal foundation of creation, uh, that that love is is that which provides the absolute basis for for the the creation in which we live. Okay. So here's what he here's what John says in First John chapter three verses one and two. See, and these are big words, by the way. These are, um, how I say, words of abundance. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. I like that translation. It's lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So here, here's this idea, again, of the world as kind of the enemy. And, and you know, how do we know we're, we're in or out of this group you know, if the world hates us, it's because it hated him. This is the same thing Jesus said, by the way, in in the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen, upper room discourse. Uh, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. Is what he says to his disciples. Right. Uh, it goes on and says here. Uh, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope purify themselves, which is about righteousness again, uh, even as he's pure. So first couple of verses there are particularly on love. And then skip down to verse about halfway through verse 10. Now, I left off verse 10 last week when we were talking about righteousness. So I'm going to go back and pick up mm-hmm. the first half of verse 10. This is chapter 3, verse 10, uh, the beginning of it says, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Okay, that's the whole point of the book. How yeah. can you know who, who are the good guys and who, who, you know, they aren't the ones who are wearing the, the white hat, right? How do you know the children of God and the children of the devil? Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Okay, so that's the test of righteousness. Mm. Then he makes this transition, which I find really interesting. The last half of the verse, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. Okay, so you see what he's saying. Here's a test. How do you, how can you tell the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil? The children of God love their brothers and sisters. They, they love the, the the body of believers. So you've um, got the the dual test of righteousness. They do they do uh, yes. what is right is not 
So, so those who do wrong are not God's children. Exactly. And those who do not love their brother and sister are not exactly. God's children. Exactly. So, so you see how this is a test. This is, so John is saying here, do you, do you want to know who the true teachers are? Look at them, <laughs> right? Look at their life. And, exactly. Are they, are there, are, are they passing the test of righteousness and are they ta- passing the test of love is the way that they love one another, uh, like what we see, you know, the love of God. But then we continue on here. That's the end of verse 10. I want to read, this is a pretty lengthy section. I'm probably going to stop. I'm going to read this cause I'm going to stop a few times and jump up and down probably, oh, probably not literally. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm not literally going to jump up and down. So you'll be glad for that. Uh, by the way, I didn't mention we're both in our, our nice olive drab we, uniforms today. We are in the olive. It's an olive. It's an we're, it's Thursday and it's olive Thursday. So we're, we're both in <laughs> we our. Haven't, we haven't matched this well since we were lumberjacks. So. That's right. Well, once now, winter gets back, listen, I'm getting point. back in the flannels, man. And now we're uh, now we're what, what is this kind of army colors? Is that? Yeah, we're, we're blending in with the trees. What was the you're the music manager. What was the, the song? I'm in the Lord's army. Do you remember that? Yeah, because I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. yeah. I may uh, yeah. I may fly. never fly over the infantry ride in the cavalry. Shoot kind the of a, artillery. It's kind of an interesting song to teach children probably. But anyway, let's go ahead with verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. So again, I think we're going back to Jesus' ministry is what he's calling the beginning mm-hmm. uh, is what I think he's referring to here. This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. But then here's the interesting thing. I've mentioned this several times already. Here's the only proper name in the entire book of 1 John. Cain. Do not be like Cain. Uh, Cain, literally in Hebrew. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Uh, and why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. There's the test of righteousness and the test of love again matched matched up. So so think about this. He goes back to Cain, the very beginning. And, and I always say chapter four of the book of Genesis uh, it, I don't know, okay, we, we've talked about this before, that, that it's not, <laughs> I told you I was going to jump up and down. It, it's not only our relationship with God that was destroyed at the fall. Humanity's sin did not only break our relationship with God, it also broke our relationship with one another. Right. Uh, and, and we see that in chapter three. Uh, it talks about the in the cursing section of, of Genesis, it talks about that. Chapter four, I always say, in the very next chapter, we see the most profound illustration of the brokenness between two, literally two brothers, between Cain and Abel. Right. Is, is, you know, you cannot have, I always say, you cannot have a more broken relationship than you kill uh, the other person, right? That I mean, it, it kind of does take the, uh, I take mean, what the top more, top spot there. What more can you do, right? Mm-hmm. But but that that hatred, right? It, it sowed seed. The jealousy sowed seed, and in and it became the act. And again, in the same way, we could talk about the act of love. I suppose we could say that murder is an act of hatred, right? Uh, he belonged to the evil one. He murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil. His, his brothers were righteous. So you can see that he is a he, he was following the way of, of the evil one. He was following the way of the devil right? Uh, in, in doing this is the idea. Verse 13, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed. Okay, here's, here's that word. We know. So this is talking about confidence. Okay. How, mm-hmm. how do I know what's false teaching? How do you know, I'm so confused. There are different people saying different things. John says it very clearly here. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Now think about that. That's pretty profound. If, if you mm-hmm. think about it, 
a couple of different things here. The first is, I always say for John, that we are dead. Our default setting <laughs> is that we are dead until we are made alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. And John further would say the only way that we can love one another is because we're in Christ. Uh, and that I know it's a hard thing for people to take because they're going to say, well, I know all kinds of altruistic people or all kinds of people who, who, who are able to love uh, outside of the Christian faith. But, but John here, again, he, he's expressing in pretty stark terms, I think, this idea that we love one another because we have passed from death to life. He goes on and says this, anyone who does not love remains in death. There's some really important implications I want to talk about by the time we get to the end of this for the church today, hmm. uh, for, for Christians today. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And here I think we're talking about spiritual death. You are, if you cannot love, you are spiritually dead. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. <laughs> wow. But, but that again, that that's, you know, Jesus would say we've, we've, we've done that and we've already murdered them in our hearts in a sense, right? We, we, mm-hmm. when we have this kind of hatred for, for another and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. He's, he's the opposite of, of a life giver. He's a life taker. This is how we know what love is. Okay, so so this is how we became acquainted with this. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for brothers and sisters. So love is sacrificial here, he's saying. Again, it's an act. Uh, Jesus didn't just say, I love you guys. You know, I hope everything works out for you there on earth, but mm-hmm. I'm staying up here because it's really kind of crazy down there. He demonstrated his love by dying for us, by by being willing to take that to the, to take that penalty. Furthermore, here's another way that we demonstrate it. So it's not only sacrificial, but it's also a providing. I always say love is is a we provide. We're it's a provisioning love. Um, Paul talks about this even in Ephesians chapter five when he talks about the love between husband and wife. Um, you're you're you don't you give yourself. He says you give your body the things that you need. And it's the same if you love your your wife. You give your wife what what is necessary. If anyone has material possession sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? So here's the idea that if you're not willing to show your love by giving, uh, if you, you, you have the need, if you have the means to meet the needs of another person, and you don't do it. He says, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with not, not with words or speech. This is what I was saying earlier, not with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Truth, by the way, is when we're going to get at next, when we talk about the, the test of belief. Uh, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So we can see uh, God's love demonstrated in us in the way that we love, uh, we love one another, I think is what he's, what he's getting at here. Uh, comments or questions on that? There's a lot happening there. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, I mean, it's a pretty strong language about if you exactly. don't love, yeah. you know what I mean? And wh- what is it, you know, the, the example of love is Christ on the cross, that sacrificial nature of it. And so yep. it's not, it's not just, it's not weak. It's not a right. weak love. It is a, it's a, a strong love for the, your brother or sister. Right. 
By the way, I, I just mentioned this briefly. This could be seen as a chiastic structure. We've talked about chiasms before, and this is where is we it have chiasm or chiastic. Key, chiasm. Well, I, I tell you why I say that because the letters key in in C H I. Okay. If you're a Greek speaker, it's key because the E is the iota. Okay. How do we spell this word? Is it C H I? C H I. Let's yeah. Some people would say chi. Chiastic or chiastic? I would say chiastic. Okay. So what does that mean? Tell us what it's kind of a chiastic. (laughs) It comes from the Greek word key, which or Greek letter key, which is is an X. And if you think about an X, you get that shape kind of where it's wider at the top and then it goes down to the middle and then it widens out again. Mm-hmm. That's how a chiasm works is the the top and the bottom uh, are parallel. And then you get in the next two are parallel and then the next two are parallel and then you get to the very middle. And the, the point of a chiastic structure is kind of the opposite of how we usually structure an argument in English is we usually kind of end with the conclusion Whereas a chiastic structure, the main point is in the middle. It's where, where the, where the that, lines cross, right there. The where X, the X cross. comes together. Exactly. X marks the spot. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So if this is the case, so so I'll give you just two examples here, really quickly. We get the positive example of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. How did Jesus love us? How did how did he demonstrate his love for us? He laid down his life for us. The negative examples, Cain. Mm-hmm. You see that? So so those two are parallel. We have the negative example of Cain. We have the positive example of Jesus. And sandwiched right between the two of those is that command of chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, love your brothers, right? Mm So, you know, again, just to to repeat what it says in verses 14 and 15, uh, it it says, uh, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Uh, anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer has an eternal life residing in him. So we're called to love love our brothers. So you get the negative example of Cain. You get the positive example of Jesus. Um, so the the main point of so if this is a chiastic structure, yes. we would say that that that's the main point. We have these two kind of opposing yeah. examples on both ends. Exactly the bookends because yes. the meat's in the middle here. Yep. That's exactly correct. And I'm just showing you the, the middle part of it. You, it, yeah. it goes out from there, I think, as well. But this is much easier to see if you're in your Bible and kind of... <laughs> it is. And, and so I encourage you to go listening to it. Take a look at it. But uh, look down. You, you just... Well, I'll, I'll read it. Down in chapter uh, 3, verse 23. Well, I always say... When I say A or B, I know it's hard to know when to start. But mm-hmm. uh, the last half of uh, verse 23 uh, here says... Um, uh, this is the, his command to believe in the name of the son of Jesus or his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. So this idea of loving and commanding is, is the idea of um, uh, righteousness, we could say, in love. But then we also have this idea that that uh, we believe that he is the son, right? We So mm-hmm. this idea of our faith, the, the, the belief that we have and the love go hand in hand as well. So all, all of these tests, as I mentioned last week, all of them kind of uh, none of them stand independently. Uh, they're all. It's not like oh yeah, he's got two of the three, <laughs> or, you know, three right. you know, two of the four. They, they all are kind of intertwined, uh, and so that's that's what I think we see here. Look at First John chapter four. This is another very famous passage on love. Uh, and I'll let you read uh, some of this this time since I didn't okay, let you so read where, last where am I time. Starting, starting in verse 7, 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. All right. How far and do you this, want to read And this, I think, here? is kind of the final in, – in the book of 1 John, this is not the final statement on love, but this is the final major section on love, I would say. Okay. This. You just tell me when to stop when we get going here. Yeah, I will. 
Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from Stop. God. Okay. <laughs> you could have just said the first verse. It's not even the first verse, I know. <laughs> this is where I was getting at when I was talking about that love is the foundation of the universe. Love comes from God mm-hmm. because God is love. Okay. It is, it is an, here, here's, Here's where we got, kind of get confused when we talk about this. I would say that love is an absolute aspect of the nature of God. Okay, God is more than love. It's, it's, it's not corresponding in the sense that love is God, right? Which sometimes mm-hmm. I think we almost think that way. That love is real outside of God. Like it's a. So that's how we get it wrong. That we right. think that I love think so. is like this thing that defines God and not defines God. God whereas it is an as, it is an aspect of His. Absolute nature is what I would say. God is love. That love doesn't exist outside of God. I think so. I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just so, trying to rephrase. Yeah. No. No. And that's so. That's where I'm getting at. So, if you believe in the creation of the universe, like I do, um, by by God, and if you believe that that Jesus and the Spirit, or, or Christ, maybe a better way to say it, and the Spirit are eternal. I'm, I'm going to use that term for lack of a better term. We're, we'll get to this other idea later on but pre- technically i would say pre-existent right mm-hmm. if they are if they are pre-existent mm-hmm. uh which i believe they are that's what i think the whole gospel of john you know the, the prelude uh is about the 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 very first part of the of the gospel of john is about the pre-existent word if we believe that the spirit and and christ are pre-existent with god then there is this aspect of god's nature that is love from from all time past. I've made this argument in extensive form, much more than you probably ever care to read about it, about um, the eternal word that, that the word, uh, the fact that Jesus is the eternal word um, shows the idea of the Trinity. Okay. So, so the idea of the Trinity to me is not just some sub (laughs) sub thing part of Christian doctrine. It is the absolute center of Christian doctrine that, that God exists eternally as three persons. Okay. Uh, And so when we talk about the word, my point is that the, the preexistent word shows like, like, okay, if, if God is unitary, if we believe in a unitarian God in all history past, or not even history, prehistory, um, then who's he talking to, right? If if we have this eternal word, but there's this idea that he is in communication with himself, um, and then I think it's the same with love. If God is love in a very aspect of his nature, in other words, he didn't become love, right? He didn't turn into love. But if he is love, which I, I believe, and this is what the scripture says here, then love necessarily has an object. And, and I'm a little unclear on this, but I, I suspect that this is true for both language, both the idea of the word and also for the idea of love, is it is necessary to have, a, a, how do I say this, uh, a, 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 an observer as well. It, it, it can't just take place between the two, but there has to be the third party who, who is able to see the love that the father has for the son. Does, does that make, hmm. does it make sense to have a gaze of, upon the love that the father has for the son and the son has for the father. So that's why I, I believe Trinitarian theology is, 
I, I mean, I can't understand Christian theology outside of that. Okay. And, we'll dive, and we'll I know, dive deeper into that at some I point. I, I know I'm just a lay Trinitarian, but <laughs> <laughs> very early on in this podcast, we got a we got an email from somebody saying, well, this is a common mistake he, for lay Trinitarians. Yeah, he was uh, a oneness guy, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's a Unitarian. Unitarian. And, it's like, and, and I'm saying I, I can't make philosophical or theological sense of Unitarianism is what I'm saying right now. But he but called us again, lay Trinitarians. But I'm just a and we had some funny what, laughs what about that. What do I know? So anyway, the, the the point here is that that love is an aspect of the nature of God, and and so like you said, love comes from then and, and flows out of this relationship uh, between the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Father. It, it's this, and I, I've said before that I believe that it is it is creation is born out of that mutual love for one another uh it is it is born out of an excess of the love that they have for one another rather than um you know anything any kind of lack it, it, it's out of an abundance of the love that the the persons of the trinity have for one another and i know i'm getting in kind of deep deep water here but but uh go ahead and read i'll let you start over and and i'll let you get past you verse get, one this okay. time i promise <laughs> chapter four verse seven dear friends let us love one another for love comes from god everyone who loves has been born of god and knows god whoever does not love does not know god because god is love god is love and 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 there we have both the positive and the negative right mm-hmm. uh, you're born of god when you know this can be seen in the way you love for one another if you do not love you're not born of god and, and that puts you you know outside of this um i'll say i'll just say this quickly i was gonna let you go on and i will in just a minute i'll just say this quickly uh you know i always say that i am uh, you know the reason i'm not inclusivist is because i i and what i mean by inclusivist is this idea that it, it, there are many paths to god there are many ways that you can be right with the with the father mm-hmm. um and, and my point is i study the gospel of john and john is very exclusive in these mm-hmm. claims uh you know that you you're in death until you pass to life for example and this idea if you do not love you are not born of god uh, you know, so there's this this idea. Go ahead, then. Yeah. Sorry. I uh, know it's, it's good. Uh, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son and only son into the world that, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yeah, atoning sacrifice. That's that's really one of the, I, I can't remember if that's the only time or if it's one of two times it's used in the entire New Testament. Uh, but it's the idea of that his love we're going to see this idea of wrath that his love turns aside god's wrath anyway go go ahead yeah dear friends since god so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has ever seen god but if we love one another god lives in us and his love is made complete in us this is how we word know complete there by the way is is the word mature or uh, uh fully realized we could say you know it's this idea that that yeah his love is made complete in the way that we love one another. Go ahead. Okay. This is how we know that we live in him and he is how us. we know. Do you see? So when we talk about a catechetical document here, you want to know how, how, you know, here it is. It's a test of love. Go ahead. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, 
God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the, the love God has for us. We're going to talk about this test of spirit, and the test of belief here again, but you see how those three are kind of mingled together in this as well. Mm-hmm. But, but this idea of the test of love, again, love comes from God. And then we express that love to one another. This is not love that we loved God. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. We are not the ones who initiated this action. He loved us first. Uh, and, and then we love one another as an, as an aspect of that. Uh, uh, one more thing here, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll look at, and then, and then, well, we'll probably mostly be done with this. Look at, look at verses, uh, um, 13 through 15, mm-hmm. uh, of chapter. Well, I guess we already, I'm sorry. We just looked at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so go, go just a little bit farther here. Yeah. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives up fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Okay. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Right. I wanted to go to that point. So, okay. so he's basically saying that, um, you know, how can we say that we, we love God if we can't love our brother and sister who, who we, who, who's right there next to us. In other words, this is, this is an aspect of the way that we love, uh, God is the way that we love one another. I think it goes along with Jesus statement about, you know, what you've done for the least of these you've done for me. Um, you know, when, when did we see you in, in prison? When did we see you naked and clothe you? And he says, whatever you've done for the least of these you've done for me. So, so it's the same kind of an idea. The way that we demonstrate the love that we have for God is most is best demonstrated in some ways in the way that we love people. Uh, there's a strong connection there. Go ahead. Did you have any comments or questions you wanted to make well, on that? Uh, I've got a question here as we kind yeah, of sure. we'll, we'll go on to this. You want to finish this up here? Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I yeah. thought we had. I thought we had. Sorry. No, no. And and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Kind of wraps okay. it up there. Right. Yeah. So I I think my question is, you know, how do we we see that the Jesus is the is obviously the archetype, like showing God. This is sure. God's love for us. Right. What is that? You know, I think this is the question. Yeah. It's always like, what does this look like in community? Because I had this conversation with someone recently <laughs> about uh, just talking about Christianity and yeah. um, someone who's a brother and sister. And so the the concept was like, oh, Christ, it was just love. We need to love one another. And, and so my comment was in a Christian community. I said, if I if someone is my brother. Or sister, and they are going down a wrong path. Sure, my love for them is me calling out their yeah. sin to them. You know, I said, now there's a, I can do it wrong. I can, sure. I can show their love wrong, but like it is in some way condemning their sin. And this person said, well, I, that just sounds terrible. But I'm like, but that's <laughs> that's what love is is well, calling them to something. So what is what when John is yeah. talking about this? I think this is because I think the word love, as we kind of talked about, has yes. this very cultural spin and squishiness on it what does this look like in community then i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna read this passage in ephesians chapter five even though it is talking about uh the 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 love of a husband and wife he also says this is talking about the way that christ loves the church <clears throat> uh, and and i want want you to kind of see this because i think this will help 
answer your question. I, I think I think it's a really good question. Um, this is uh, Ephesians chapter five, verse twenty-five. I hadn't planned to do this, but just just kind of it's happening. Riffing now, yeah. Husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And I would say that's a that's a tall order, right? Yeah. Uh, just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Okay, so so there's the sacrificial nature of love. There's no question about that. Love is sacrificial. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll come back and say more about that in a minute, perhaps, just to make sure we understand what we mean. But then it says this, he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing through the, through the, through, uh, with water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church. So you get what I'm saying? The sacrificial love there is, is for a goal. Mm. It's for the purpose of, of, of helping that it's sanctification. We talk about marriage as sanctification all the time. And there's good books that have been written on that. Um, uh, you know, the, the idea is that part of the way, and I think you'll agree with this part of the way marriage at its best Christian marriage, which I mean, that may be an, uh, a redundancy, but yes. Christian marriage is, is a sanctifying process. It is a part part of our sanctification. Now, you don't have to be married to be sanctified. Sanctification can also take through place through other relationships. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about small groups sometimes is is kind of the, the word we'll use or, or the phrase we'll use to talk about this for for churches. Uh, or we'll talk about account. We used to use the term accountability partner, <laughs> right? Really, if, if you want a biblical word for it, I think we're talking about discipleship. Okay, so make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Hmm. Right, obedience, bringing them to obedience. So, so, so discipling. Part of discipling is training or, or teaching to obedience. And, and again, it's not just saying, "Well, you know, he said to do this, and he said not to do this." There, I've taught you, right? But it, it, it part of it is like you're saying. It's there's a correction. Uh, Paul says this to Timothy. This is what Scripture does. Uh, it's useful for rebuking and for correcting, for training in righteousness, right? So don't neglect the word of God. That, that's why that's why our, our worship should be centered on the word of God. As you as you often talk about, that's why it's so crucial that the music we sing is 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 biblically based and 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 God centered, right? Um, that that it is that it is training us for righteousness in that. So, so here's my here's my point. R relationships with with other human flesh and blood human beings. You know, I always say we can't be a, a lone ranger Christian, right? It, it's necessary to have these relationships for us to be formed and for us to be shaped. Uh, I often kind of use this as a rhetorical thing, where I say, you know, I have no idea why God chooses to use people in order to accomplish His purpose, uh, but I think it's for our mutual good. Uh, my suspicion is that it is <laughs> it's driving us into that need for one another. He doesn't equip any of us with everything that's necessary for the Christian life. And, and he he doesn't we don't all have the same weaknesses, right? We don't all right. have the same strengths. And therefore we get to a point where we are absolutely reliant upon one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I I need I need what my brothers and sisters bring to me. So even though I'm using marriage as an example of sanctification, my point is any relationship can be a sanctifying mm -hmm. uh, work. Right. But, and I like what you said, like there's a point to it, you know, like it's a defining exactly. biblical love. I mean, I think yeah. that's always the 
the trick in here because we we live in a cultural context that wants to kind of abscond the word love to mean certain things, but to, right. you know, like more of a. It's something we can't help. It's something that that we have no control over. It's, you know, we're swept, it's very, swept away. It's in permissive, love. like it's overly permissive yeah. into anything. Like, yes, I feel this. I feel right. this way towards this. It is love, and you know, so. You know, so th- th- I think that's always my question when we talk about love, you know, and again, I had this conversation with someone recently about, you know, when we use the words, when we use words, what do we mean by it? Like the definition of words is so crucial. So let's talk about three different kinds of relationships. Um, let, let's talk first about marriage. Okay. And, and in a marriage relationship, you have great love f- for the person and if if you are, of course, we we can none of us can can completely uh, in the same. I'm going to use the idea of a, a father or a parent in, in just a minute. None of us are ideal parents. None of us are ideal spouses. So so I'm not talking about some kind of moral perfection here. But to the best of our ability, we sacrifice. We, we're willing to love sacrificially in the same way that Christ gave Himself up for the church. Now here here's the point with this: is love is other centered. It's not, it's not self-centered. It's other centered. And, and there's a lot of love in cultural context that is about what that person does for me or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel so giddy when I'm with this person or I, you know, I don't know. It's not about Um, them. It's about the personal reflection of what I get out of it. Exactly. And, and a sacrificial kind of love thinks about what can what can I give of myself that will be for the good uh, of that of that other of that other person? Okay, in in a marriage relationship. Now I think it's the same in in uh, our relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't think about what you know. Paul says in uh, in Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, we think of no one any longer from a worldly point of view, from a fleshly point of view. Uh, if, if, when we think about people. Um, oftentimes, are are when we're outside of Christ. I'm just saying, in a in a worldly sense, our first thought might be, "What can they do for me?" You know, we, we may be like this in college. I'm gonna I'm gonna make relationship with people I think will help me get ahead. Or in our workplace, we might think about, "I'm I'm not gonna invest in this person because they're a loser." Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly, I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest in time with this person because they're moving up the corporate ladder, and I can ride on their coat coattail. You, you, you get what I'm saying? We yeah. have this sense of how can this person help me? Well, that's not love. That's 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 a selfish. Um, and you, you get what I'm saying. I mean, there's a selfishness to that. Right. Love is about what we can do for another person. How can I give of my time and my efforts and my energy and my talents in order to to help another person? And I think, again, that's true in the body, and that's what Paul's point is in Ephesians 5, and it's true in, in marriage. So that's the first relationship I'll, I'll give you an example of. The second relationship is the idea of a parent. And I did want to start with this one because it has, a, it, you know, we, we, we talk about love with it, with it between spouses with no no qualms. You know, we understand this. There's, there's nothing about inequality there or anything like that. Uh, but I didn't want this to start off patronizing. Right, right. right. But you you love your children, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes that love leads you. It's a sacrificial love that that love leads you to correct the behavior of your children, mm-hmm. right? 
It's out of love. And sometimes I would say this, the, the line between discipline and abuse is exactly the same that we've just talked about where if, if I'm doing it for myself, cause this person's getting on my nerves, this kid's getting on my nerves. Hmm. And so I'm punishing them. That's not discipline. That's, that's abuse. I, I'm punishing them out of my need for peace and quiet or, or whatever. You, you get what I'm saying? This yeah. is a suspi- mm-hmm. suspicion of mine. Uh, I don't know if I'm right or not, but, but when I'm, correcting them out of my concern and wanting the best for them, then that's, that's discipline mm-hmm. in that case. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Uh, and, and the reason you do it is you recognize that your child, and again, imperfectly, <laughs> right? Jesus says yeah. we're, we're all sinful fathers, right? We're, we're all sinful parents, but to the best of our ability, we want, uh, we, we recognize that if the child continues in that behavior, it's going to harm them in the long term. You know, I always use example. If you're running out in, in front of a, you know, and they're running out in the road constantly, you have to find a way to discipline them to keep them from running out, running in, out in the, the road, road. Yeah. because eventually it's going to hurt them. Right. And, 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 you know, that's just a small example. It has to do with the disciplining of homework, too. We recognize if they don't learn uh, how to do some things that they don't necessarily want to do uh, in, in order to enjoy the fruits of, okay, get to play, you know, an hour of video games after you do two hours of homework or whatever. If they don't begin to learn that, then then down the road, they're not going to become um, able to support themselves and their own family, right? We, we have those kind of concerns. And again... You know, we do it imperfectly and we carry our own baggage and I'm not, not get past any of that, but, but you see that kind of relationship. So, so here, let's go to this third relationship. Then where's this, let's call it a discipling relationship, uh, where you have a mentor or, or, uh, you know, however, whatever term you want to use for that, uh, mature Christian and, and, a, a Christian who's being discipled by that mature Christian, uh, then that's going to carry with it things like correction, and advice, mm-hmm. I I think that that's a part of it. Now it's hard sometimes for us to know. <laughs> I think a lot of times, <clears throat> I think the relationship has to precede um, us being able to effectively do that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's too many times, probably, and I'm I'm pointing my fingers myself as well. I said we. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably too many times we do that, pointing at other people rather than thinking about those who are directly within our sphere of influence. Hmm. You, right. you get my point? Yeah. We become concerned about those people over there. The other rather than, uh, rather, Yeah. Rather than thinking about what I can do in the people who, have, who recognize me as someone that they're, they're looking to for advice or, or they're wanting to be discipled. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, and, and here I'll say one more thing about this, and this is a big deal for me. I, I've said this for a long time. One of the, I, I, I may even call this the main issue in our church, uh, in our churches today, in the church in, in the United States, is we have lost a sense of true fellowship. Um, and, and what I mean is this, is, is actively taking an interest and a, and a role in one another's lives. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Jesus said, <laughs> this is how people are going to know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yet we, we, we quote unquote come to church, which and is, then leave, which is a bad metaphor. Right. 
um, rather than being the church. Uh, we, we don't fellowship with one another. We're not involved with one another's lives enough to even know what's going on with one another's lives, <clears throat> except in you know some, some very blessed relationships. Hopefully, we all have some of those Christian relationships. Um, we need to nurture those, I think. And, and, and my point is this. I think there's nothing more attractive um, for for. There's no better argument for Christianity than, than a true uh, church that has really demonstrated becoming family, hmm. like really becoming brothers and sisters and being there in times of need, uh, being, you know, not not loving as as John says, only in, in word, but also in action and in truth, like truly helping out in action when that when that need comes. And that's hard. It, it's not an easy process. Same with your family, right? <laughs> uh, so when you extend that, it makes it that much harder. But now, you know, the, the good news is as, as Christians, we're also extending the number of people who are who are there to lend aid. Um, anyway, I kind of went off on a rant there, but, well, but uh, it's yeah. a good rant. I mean, it's, it's kind of, well, I mean, it's the embodiment of the, you know, again, we've talked about this before. Sometimes we can read these things and feel yeah. separated from them, but you know, how does this, how does this concept of love, you know, it's, it's one thing for us to read, love yes. your brothers and sisters. You know, it's one of these things like, well, I go to church and I don't have, I, I think sometimes I've been a part of this where it's like, well, we don't want to talk about a tough thing because, or we ignore it, and the absence of conflict is peace, and that's love. You know what I mean? Right. Like where it's, there's right. no addressing of, uh, of the issues, but kind of going. And I'm not saying this is all about issues, but how do we love one another through those things of correction, right. through those things of sacrificially right. loving each other, and you know, kind of as you just illustrated, like we don't know each other sometimes. Right. I mean, this is I, I I have regularly talked about growing up in a. I grew up in a small church. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of your and, formative experiences. Oh, yeah. man. I, yeah. it, you know, it's, I think back to those adults that I got to, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, and friends that I made that were my yeah. age, but just like there was this, I mean, and, and it's hard. We, you know, we kind of live in the age of some places are mega churches or are bigger, and I'm yeah. not, I'm not casting dispersions no. against them, but kind of going, I grew up in a church that was 120 to 200 people, you know, don't right. know that. And I knew them and they knew me and I've gone back. I went back five or six years ago and I hadn't been there in a very, yeah. very long time. And it was like, they knew me. I knew that, yeah. you know what I mean? It was still this, this, uh, there was still fellowship, uh, and among yeah. that and just how meaningful that was for me in my formative years, uh, to have some of that. Now, when, was it perfect? By no means. Right. But you know, that there's, there's formative natures in there. When you experience that true fellowship, there's, there's no substitute for it. I mean, there's just nothing else like it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think, you know, I think, again, that's something that I hope that we experience. Now, I thought we were going to get through all these tests. And I think we're, only we're, not, we're not We're not getting through them. <laughs> but here's here's what I do want to say. And, and we've kind of been talking negatively. But but I guess to, to say, to give a positive challenge, I would say, let's think about ways that we can increase that. Because I do I do have, well, I mean, you know, you, you're an example, Ryan. And, and social media, for good or for ill, sometimes has made the people that we are most transparent with and most vulnerable to um, not live next to us. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, but I, I do think about some of my, um, especially for ministers, I think some of my fellow uh, ministers who are the people I know I can call if I have 
struggles or questions or you know, you know those kind of things who who call me on a regular basis and check up say hey i haven't heard from you while well, you doing okay um you know those kind of relationships when we when we have them are blessed um you know i've been, i've had the the the, the good um, i've had the blessing of living in um you know, uh, uh, in a missionary context. And there again, you've got people that you're very close to because you're, you're kind of, you, you do have the sense that, that you're different, right? You're, you, you don't belong. And, and so it makes the people to whom you're very close, um, you know, it, it just increases that closeness. Yeah. The uh, Christian so, experience is not a solo endeavor. Exactly. And I think that we need to be intentional. This is, this is, I guess the positive, um, uh, encouragement I'm trying to give is we need to be positive. We need, we need to be, um, intentional about creating those kind of relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to be creating communities where those, those kind of blossom and nurture. The, the hard thing about this is we want programs, right? Well, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> this is the thing is like, well, I want a program that's going to do that. But like, yeah, you can say, I want my church to do that, but it's yeah. our individual responsibility exactly. as well to be participating in that. That it's not, yeah. we cannot wait for others to do this. Right. I've had this it, conversation. If you want to have friends, be a friend. You've got to. You've, you've got, got to got extend to. yourself. And, and, and you, yeah, and you've got to be willing to be open with people and 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 like I say, vulnerable. I mean, it's not. You know, relationships aren't built. Um, yeah, you don't have to open the vault the first time you meet someone, <laughs> but you know, like, at some blah. point, there's an yeah. Blah, I mean, they're gonna run probably. Right. I mean, if everything that passed through my right. mind just spilled out, everybody running for the hills. But. Um, you know, it, it there there comes a time of vulnerability, yes. and in that, it is not a thing to be afraid of. It's a thing that yeah. further strengthens that relationship, yeah. and not and, and, you know it. Yeah, and we have to be trustworthy on the other side of it yeah, too. There you, you go. Know, we have to show ourselves to be trustworthy, and but I do think that 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 is is you know of all the things that that we get fixated on and we worry about in in the in the church i think this may be one that we need to spend a majority of our time on yeah. um, it, it's interesting even even some of the uh, we have have a lot of people talk about uh uh, you know, the, the, what's the Christian 12 step program called the, uh, celebrate recovery, mm. you know, those kind of relationships again, because you're, you're necessarily transparent because of the struggles that you're facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those are the kind of communities that really, for some people mean as much as the local congregation, I think because they are experiencing true fellowship, it just becomes so easy for us to leave one congregation, go to another when things are not the way we want them to be. You know, and I, I have this experience as a pastor. Sometimes you confront someone, like you talk about confronting sin, mm-hmm. and, and you do it in as loving a manner as you can, but they don't want it, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear it. And, and it's very easy uh, to go to another another place, another congregation. So Yeah. Well, this is good. This is great. I mean, I think this is a great lesson. You know, I, 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 I have been appreciating going through uh, these Johns, uh, first, second, and third John. As John cuts to it, he's not playing games. You know, like right. this is this is what this looks it's like. It's important stuff. I mean, yeah, it's very for, important for these, stuff. This community to to know who who are who are the the false teachers and who are bringing truth is is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I think that's what's really interesting is so sometimes to think about this is someone can say the right things. Yeah. They can say the right things. Yeah. But that doesn't mean 
you know, that they're, they're rightly aligned. If they, right. if they, if they, if they're not loving in this way, if they're not living this way, but if they yeah. say the right things, it's one of those things that we can, oh, what they say sounds good or, yeah. but like these other pieces aren't there. So we need to cut them out. So I, I think yep. it's a great test for us to, to be thinking about, um, as, as we discern and live in a world, uh, yeah. in the world, but also a That's challenge true. for us as believers to live in true community and, and to pursue true community. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right, Brian. Well, thanks so much. We'll, yeah. we'll we're going to wrap up First John next, next week. Next week, maybe. And then we're going to take Fourth of July off because okay, it's I'm proud to be American. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, before this goes any further, thanks so much, Brian. I will see you next right. Tuesday. Yeah, look, look, look for Ryan's recording of "It's Proud to Be." I'm proud to oh, be an American. Uh, Lee Greenwood content. I'm on it. I'm on it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. All right. See you. Bye. Bye.